afternoon, America, and welcome to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. We are happy to have you on board today on Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. I hope that it's going well for you. I hope it's a good Valentine's Day. I hope you uh, have either received flowers and or given them, uh, or or maybe chocolates or, or, or some sort of card, preferably homemade rather than the uh, the cheap Hallmark variety. If you've given a Hallmark card, I'm not calling you cheap. Maybe I take that back. Just my own personal preference. Nonetheless, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, maybe we'll get into some history of Valentine's Day. Let's do that. Segment three, let's go to history class. Let's go to St. Valentine's Day history class, because you know we like history around here. We do. We're fans of, of history. We're fans of truth. We're, we're fans of true, actual history. So let's do that. All right, segment number three. If you're interested in sticking around, if you want to stick around that long, hopefully you will, because I think it'll get exciting. Uh, I'm holding an article here, and speaking of exciting, speaking of diving into it, our friends at the Washington Post, they are, what's the word I'm looking for? They, beside themselves, uh, apoplectic. I think that's the word. And they, they are just out of their minds frustrated with the, with the rise in homeschooling. I don't think they can handle it. Matter of fact, I just want to keep it. I want to just keep watching the, the homeschool meter tick up and tick up and tick up. And, and climb and climb and climb. And I want to watch the Washington Post continue to melt down. <laughs> that, I don't know, that just makes me smile a little bit. Now, I run a Christian classical school. I believe in Christian classical education. Uh, you know, but if, if you have the ability to homeschool, uh, you know, that is, it's a good start. And I'm not trying to uh, I'm I'm not trying to tell any of the Waterbrook families I, I don't want you around into homeschool, um, because I do. I want you around. I like your kids here. Uh, but at the same time, if any one of them came to me and said, "You know what? We we think we're going to homeschool," I wouldn't talk them out of it. Matter of fact, I would cheer them on and I would say to them, and I have. This is normally our conversation when you know, and this has happened over the years where parents have said, "You know, we just we feel like we want to homeschool." I just, the first thing I say is, what can I do for you? How can I help? You know, how can I get curriculum in your hands? What can I do to support you? Because I, I get it. I I understand the, the benefits of it. Now, the next best thing is getting your kids in a classical Christian school, preferably Waterbrook. That's the way I say it. I think we are the next best thing to homeschooling. As a matter of fact, we are looking at, we are part of a, uh, of an organization through uh, the uh, classical academic press. Uh, it's called the Scole Homeschool Community. We are a part of the, we're a part of that group. We are making plans next fall to start a Scole Homeschool Community. Uh, we were actually uh, in, in the, the foundational framework to have it launch last fall. We didn't get there in time. Uh, we are looking to to launch it next fall. 
where we actually will run and operate a homeschool group out of our building uh, as part of the uh, the Skolé homeschool community. It is a wonderful program. It's very similar, and it reminds me of what uh, Turning Point Academy is involved in, what they're doing. Uh, we are a part of the Turning Point Academy Association. We support everything that they, they're doing over there. Hutz, Hertzberg, and the team at uh, Turning Point Academy, th- this is kind of what, what they're launching. They're, they're interested in, in helping pastors launch these types of, of hybrid homeschool communities out of their church buildings. And we are in support of that. Uh, and anything we can do to to help them along. We've had Huts on the show. Maybe I need to have him on again uh, uh, and, and just find out where they are, what they're doing. I know it was their goal to have uh, last fall to have 20 cohorts uh, up and running of, of brand new uh, individuals, churches, entities that were interested in starting a hybrid homeschool. They call it their their five C's. Uh, I think the five C's are classical, Christian, conservative, church-based, and cost-effective. Look at that. I nailed it. I'm not even looking at notes. Holy smokes, I'm having a good day today. Uh, it, it, and so it's, you know, it's it's a great model. It really is. It's an excellent model. And we support it. We um, ultimately... We're in favor of good education. That's what we want. We are in favor of good education. And if you're going to educate your children well, that's what we like. And we're going to support it here. Uh, That's what we provide at Waterbrook. We provide an excellent education. Uh, You know, it's it's a classical education. It's Christ-centered. It is, uh, it's based in, in, in biblical principles. With, with morality at the foundation. We believe that's what that's what Jefferson had in mind. And, you know, when he chiefly drafted the Northwest Ordinance, uh, and, and he said, you know, religion and morality needs to be taught. You know, it, it, it's, it's foundational. It's important for good governance and the happiness of mankind. That, that's the language. That's what he believed. That's what Benjamin Rush believed. That's what, that's what Washington believed. That's what our founding fathers believed. Franklin believed it. And we we carry that belief. The Marxists today do not believe that. The Marxists do not want an education that's rooted and founded in religion and morality. They want an education rooted and founded in humanism. And, and they would prefer that your children not be taught well. They would prefer that your children, uh, you know, not learn about actual truth. They would prefer your children learn about, you know, truth that's relative. I mean, that's, you know, what's your truth? Not what's actually true. What's your truth? You know, we don't really need to talk about actual history. Why don't we talk about, you know, just history that, it happened the way you feel it happened. You know, I mean, like take 1619, for example. I mean, we feel like this is how the country was founded. You know, it's founded on the back of slavery and Washington and Jefferson and those losers. 
those guys are horrible. And you know, you want a good country, so we need to to, to remake it and reshape it. All right, that that that's the objective from the Marxists. That's 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 what they're going after. That's not what we're going after. We want a solid education that's truly going to teach our children something. And not only teach them something, but teach them to become a certain type of person. I mean, that that's that's the that's the meaning of true education. Um a person that that is rooted, that's grounded, that that knows who they are. A person that understands I'm a boy, I know I'm a boy. <laughs> Or maybe you're a girl. It's important that you know you're a girl. Uh, and this is, you know, for us, this is what we support. This is what we're after. The Washington Post, however, the <laughs> the paper that, you know, what's their tagline? Uh, what's the, the Washington Post has a tagline, something about democracy dying in the dark. Is that what it is? Democracy dies in the dark. Um, you know, I mean, it's true. I guess democracy does die in the dark. I, I think their tagline should be something like, uh, we make sure democracy is dying in the dark or, or you know, we kill democracy in the dark while no one's looking. I, I you know, uh, that's just my opinion. That is, that's, that's my take here. I just feel like, uh, yeah, that's what it is. I've got the Washington Post pulled up right now. Democracy dies in darkness <laughs> and they're doing everything they can to kill it in darkness it's true the washington post i believe when when their edit, editorials are are being written they're being written in dark rooms when their uh their journalists quote unquote are writing articles they're doing it in a dimly lit room because democracy dies in darkness and they would love to kill it. Actually, um, we're not a democracy. I take that back. Uh, you know, if they're, yeah, we're, we're a republic. And, you know, they can talk about democracy dying all day long. Go ahead. We want it to die. Kill it. Kill democracy. It's what the founders would have said. Jefferson, Madison, Washington, they all would have said that. They didn't want a democracy. Hamilton, none of them. They wanted a republic. That's why Franklin uh, told her that day when the convention was over, and she met him. Forget her name, the lady's name. She 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 meets him in the in the street. She says, "Doctor Franklin, what do we have? What type of government do we have?" And he says, "You, uh, lady, have a republic if you can keep it, not a democracy." No, he didn't say anything about a democracy. So the Washington Post can can kill democracy. All day long. All right, I'm looking at this article, and I, and I love the title. It's it is from a, a group called Break uh, Breakpoint. This is the Colson Center. The article is written by John Stone Street and Shane Morris, and their headline's fantastic. They 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 pose their headline as a question, and it's just a simple question: Why does the Washington Post hate homeschooling? I love it. Why? Why, Wapo? Why? Why do you hate homeschooling? It's like little Cindy Lou Who. Why? Why Santa Claus? You know, well, uh, it's 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 clear, it's evidently clear that Wapo hates homeschooling. I could answer the question for them. 
uh, it's really a simple answer, uh, but it's no fun just to say, you know, because they're communists, because then they, you know, they can't really write an article. I guess they could have. I mean, they could have supported the claim that uh, our friends at the WAPO are communists. I love the their their intro. I want to read this intro paragraph because they 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 tie homeschooling in so beautifully in this comparison here. They say a pitfall of the fallen human mind is how narratives shape our perception of the world, even outweighing facts and common sense. For example, nuclear power is one of the safest ways to generate electricity. According to our World in Data report, nuclear is 99.8% safer than coal in terms of deaths per unit of power. Yet because of three dramatic accidents and the press surrounding them, the Three Mile Island uh, incident from 1979, Chernobyl from 86, and Fukushima 2011, nuclear power is widely perceived as extraordinarily dangerous and in need of claustrophobic regulation. So here's our comparison. Similarly, a narrative pushed by many in the press aims at rendering something else radioactive, homeschooling. Bum, bum, bum. And there it is. And this is this is where uh, the the Washington Post this is where they springboard from. They springboard from this idea, this notion that homeschooling is like a uh, nuclear uh, reactor. I mean, you shouldn't do it. Uh, they, they've got, can you hear that, by the way, in the background? Out my window here, out my window, it's snowing today. And and out my window are just, just kids running and screaming in the snow. It just doesn't get any better than that. So if you're hearing the uh, the screams of joy in the background, please know they are screams of joy and not screams of anything else. Uh, it, listen to this quote here. This is from a quote from the article. All right. So again, they uh, this is an article from the Wa- Washington Post that came out last year. I've, I've actually talked about this article a little bit. Uh, but it's the first article that our friends at uh, Breakpoint reference. The article was called "High Homeschool Rise from the Fringes to the Fastest Growing Form of Education. All right. It, homeschooling has risen from the fringes. All right. That's that's their uh, that's their premise. It used to be out there in the fringes. It used to be out to be out there in wacko land. And now everyone's doing it. It's now the fastest form of education. All right, here's this quote. It is a remarkable expansion for a form of instruction that 40 years ago was still considered illegal in much of the country. That's what the uh, the writers at the Washington Post believe, that 40 years ago, in much of the country, homeschooling was considered illegal. Uh, I, I, I don't know that 40 years ago, in much of the country, homeschooling was illegal or considered illegal. Uh, is the Washington Post aware that homeschooling was the the standard norm that the country was founded on the on this? Is the Washington Post aware that 
that George Washington was homeschooled? I mean, they were all homeschooled. Is the post aware that Abraham Lincoln was homeschooled? Oh, yeah, that 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 backwoods, backwater Lincoln. Homeschool. That that about that's about right. Only uh, only one of the greatest presidents to to walk the halls of the White House. Yet he was homeschooled. And the Washington Post has this notion that 40 years ago it was illegal to homeschool. This is who we're dealing with here. My friends, this is this is why they believe homeschooling is like a radioactive nuclear time bomb just waiting to go off. Uh, they they say that you know homeschooling is America's fastest growing form of education. They say around 2.7 million students are homeschooled in America today. So this was again this was last year. I'm looking at an article here. Let me pull it up. Where did I? Where did I see that? There's an article from, um, my apologies, I guess I should have had it already ready to go. And I had it up here earlier. Uh, Oh, there it is. There it is. Boom, boom, bingo. It is from the Chronicle Tribune. Uh, navigating socialization for homeschool kids. This was the this is the title of the article written by Crystal Deville, and this is just a couple of days ago. Uh, her first paragraph says the National Household Education Survey reports that 3.1 middle or million 3.1 million school age children in the United States were homeschooled in 2022. 3.1 million. So the Washington Post is saying around 2.7 million. Um, and that is that is climbing. All right. So the, the the numbers coming out of 2022 have us at 3.1 million. And I promise you, friends, that this number is only going to continue to grow. Parents are, are they're only going to keep homeschooling. Uh, you know, we have, you know, if not. Um, you know, they're going to have their children in a classical education somewhere because that's that's what families want. That's what that's what mom and dad want. They want their children to be raised and educated properly. No more of this garbage, you know, no more of this junk, no more of this um, uh, falsehoods, no more falsehoods in, in education. Let's start. Let's start delivering the truth. That's, that's what we're after here. 3.1 million. This is out of 2022. So 2023 is now beyond us. I cannot wait to see the numbers coming out of 2023. Absolutely can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. All right, I want to dive back into this article. I'm up against the break. We'll pick it up on the other side. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. You've all heard Dr. McCullough and others share over and over the value of keeping your sinuses cleansed. It's a smart move all year, but even more so when we're cooped up inside. It's not really open for debate any longer. Those that live smart and live well pay attention to nasal and oral hygiene. Cofix RX has just the tools for the job with our nasal and throat cleanse. Click the Cofix RX banner on AmericaOutloud.shop to get 20% off your entire order. 
That's right, AmericaOutloud.shop. Use coupon code OUTLOUD. That's coupon code OUTLOUD for 20% off your entire order. Use CofixRx because it works. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company launched the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. The Wellness Company's chief medical board designed every supplement and medical protocol with your health in mind. From groundbreaking supplements like the Spike Support Formula to unique care like Freedom from Big Pharma. Join a healthcare system that puts your health and well-being above the interest of Big Pharma's bottom line. It's the way healthcare should be, with a company that shares your values. Go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio. You can find us here Monday through Friday at the 2 p.m. Eastern time slot. We are happy to have you on board. Grateful that you're listening. No matter how you're listening, I enjoy listening on the app. The, the app you can download for your iPhone, your Android, Alexa. Got it on my iPhone. I just like to listen to it live. I mean, when I can. Uh, when I can't listen to it live, then, you know, we go to podcasts. That's when we pull up the podcast. You can, uh, of course, pull up the podcast wherever you find them, or you can go to americaoutloud.news. Every every show is cataloged there. Uh, not only my shows, but, you know, some other quality programming are there at americaoutloud.news. It's a beautifully organized site. Uh, wonderful articles and and AmericaOutloud.shop, where my friends, you will find the Cofix RX throat and nasal spray. And if you use code OUTLOUD, you will get twenty percent off. Currently, it's twenty percent off. Code OUTLOUD. It's part of my regimen. You know it is. Uh, don't take my medical advice because I'm not a doctor, but take my anecdotal advice. Cofix RX has bailed me out this year. Absolutely. Bailed me out more than once. Oh, I love it. I love it. It's part of my regimen. I use it. I also take the spike protein from the wellness company. You know, I uh, I did go down with uh, with some COVID. You know, my heart had some funky stuff going on speeding up, you know, a mile a minute. It was flying. I went to the emergency room. Cindy dropped me off. Yeah, I mean, I've told the story before. I'm not going to go into all the detail, but, you know, I just kind of, you know, saunter on in and they say, you know, what's going on? I said, oh, my, you know, my, my heart rate, it just, if it, it feels like it's, you know, it feels like it's going really fast. He's all right, well, come over and put your finger in this thing. So I put my finger in it. And he was like, holy smokes. And just people came out of the woodworks. They had me in a in a chair and had me in a room in like 30 seconds. You know, they're ripping my shirt off, getting me hooked up with all this stuff. I'm like, you know, what's happening? I guess my heart rate was through the roof. You know, like, I don't know, 230, 240, 250. I don't remember exactly what they're hauling out all these numbers. So it was a mess. And I, I don't want the, uh, I don't want that that spike protein in my system. I don't want it in me. 
So guess what? Uh, I'm 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 on the formula, you know. Yeah, I'm I'm I'm, I'm taking it, uh, and it's um, you know, we'll see what it does for me. I just don't want that nasty stuff in 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 my system. So the wellness company, go check it out. All right. Uh, so we are looking at we're looking at the Washington Post here, and and the question is, why does the Washington Post hate homeschooling? And the answer is, of course, they're Marxists. But the but the authors here, um, who is this John Stone Street and Shane Morris? The authors are cataloging uh, several articles that the Washington Post has produced within the last three months that are extremely anti-homeschool. Uh, this this uh, article here, uh, and and this it was from an article that I have uh, referenced in the past. Uh, called homeschool uh homeschool rises from the fringe to fastest growing form of education okay uh, one article described homeschooling as a largely unregulated practice once confined to the ideological fringe all right it's 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 an unregulated practice it used to just be folks on the fringe those crazies out there. And now it's now it's becoming mainstream. But you know what? It's still it's still unregulated. We gotta regulate it. It's what they want to do. There's a quote in here. Uh this oh, this quote cracks me up. Are you ready for, for this? This was in the Washington Post. And this is the the I don't remember actually who wrote this article from the post. Um I might still, oh, there it is. Oh, it doesn't say who wrote it here in my copy. Oh, yeah, it does. Prayag, Pray, Prayag Gordy. Prayag, I apologize. I might be destroying your name here. Gordy is the last name. All right. So, um, well, here's a quote from Gordy. Gordy says, Many of America's new homeschooled children have entered a world where no government official will ever check on what or how well they are being taught. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. Um, Gordy, Prayag Gordy is distraught that many of America's new homeschooled children have entered a world. You know, it, it's kind of like the... the um, the movie promos from the 80s and 90s. America's school children have entered a world where no government official will ever check on what or how well they've been taught. In a world where homeschooling is run amok. It just kind of sounds like, you know, they're giving you this promo for, for a feature film. Okay, so what's the problem? What's the problem here? Is it... I mean, do we need government officials to to check on us every day? I mean, I don't know. When's the last time you had a government official check on you to make sure that you were doing your job? Yeah, I, I right. And and these guys are upset that a government official is not knocking on the door of a homeschool family to make sure. You know, you got to knock on the door and make sure. You know, we have to check on on exactly what they're learning. Um, 
uh, Nat Malkins from the American Enterprise Institute. This is billed as a right-wing think tank. I don't know how, that it is. I mean, it might be, but Nat says, this is a fundamental change of life, and it's astonishing that it's so persistent. Uh, I, I'm not shocked that it's so persistent, Nat. I, I, it's not astonishing. It's astonishing that it's not more persistent, actually. Uh, I mean, I, I'm astonished that it's not you know, that it's not higher than it is. 3.1 million out of 2022. Like I said at the end of the last segment, I can't wait to see the numbers coming out of 23. I wouldn't be surprised if we're at, you know, close to 4 million. Uh, I wouldn't. All right. Uh, Stone Street and Morris continue. In a Washington Post story from December 2nd, Peter Jamison recounted the tragic death of an 11-year-old California boy named Roman Lopez from severe neglect and abuse. Though, as in most such cases, the story involved a broken and blended family, a factor children's rights activist Katie Foss points out is a consistent risk, according to the Washington Post. The thing to blame was that Lopez's stepmom said she was homeschooling him. So there it is. I mean, that's what they focused on was homeschool. Yep. Shouldn't have been homeschooling. Uh, home education was an easy way to avoid the scrutiny of teachers, principals, guidance counselors, suggests the author of the article at the Washington Post. Yet, the author, Jameson, also admits little research exists on the link between homeschooling and child abuse. The few studies conducted in recent years have not shown that homeschooled children are at significantly greater risk of mistreatment than those who attend public, private, or charter schools. All right, so he does throw that caveat in there. But then, you know, he just <laughs> says, but it's probably, you know, the fact that they were homeschooling. That's why, you know, that's why there's a tragic death here. We can't allow homeschooling. I mean, even though there's no link to homeschooling and child abuse, I mean, that's probably happening. You can't allow homeschooling. I mean, this is the the angle that Washington Post was taking. Uh, according to Stone Street and Morris, the Post wasn't finished. Nine days later, the Post devoted an article aimed at debunking the work of homeschool researcher and advocate Brian Ray, who has long argued that homeschoolers outperform their public school peers. And we've talked about this the other day, uh, the fact that homeschoolers, it has shown that they do twice the amount of work as public school students, and they do it in half the time. All right, that's been that's been documented. But the post uh, pulls up and 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 brings in comments from Day, uh, Ray's adult daughter, who you know is aggrieved. According to them, she's upset about it, and that's who they're going to focus on. They're going to focus on the the adult daughter as opposed to the actual research itself. That's a fallacy waiting to happen right there. And then three days after Christmas, the Post ran another article by Peter Jamison on the growing fear among homeschooling families that state funding in the form of vouchers will come with increased government oversight. And we talked about this with Alex Newman last week. I mean, this, this was the point of my conversation with him. 
that uh, it's it's my concern that many of us are, are many individuals on the right that are clamoring and, and thirsting for um, state funding in the form of vouchers or, or some other type of of you know government dollar you know given to to private school families or homeschool families it's my concern that the state's then going to use this as as leverage as a way in uh, and of course peter jameson is you know talking about the fear here and and uh you know just brushing it off as well, these guys don't have anything to be afraid about they really think the government's horrible uh, leaving little doubt where he stands on the issue of state oversight, he threw in a story about a network of Nazi homeschoolers in Ohio. Uh-huh. Uh yeah, it's just um you know, the Washington Post has their angle. These articles reveal not only the biases of Washington Post reporters and their willingness to use scare stories in place of data but they also expose crucial questions they are unwilling to ask, as well as assumptions about the role of parents and the state when it comes to education. And this is where it really gets interesting. Okay, uh, This is uh, to, to simultaneously note how homeschooling has exploded in popularity, but in almost every article refused to ask why the popularity is at best a stunning lack of curiosity. And 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 they, they don't. I mean, they make note that it's popular, but uh, you know, they say things that they're astonished that it's so persistent. I mean, it's popular, and we're astonished that it's popular. Um, I mean, uh, you know, we just uh, we 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 just can't understand it. You know, what are these uh, what are these hicks doing? Thinking they can actually homeschool their kids? I mean, they're not educated. I mean, they don't they don't know what's going on. I mean, many of America's new homeschooled children are going to wake up in a world where a government official is not going to know what's happening. Oh. If asked, the article continues, I suspect the parents of the two and a half million homeschoolers or more, it's over three million, according to the Chronicle Tribune. Uh, if if they were asked. You know, they would probably say something about, yeah, we're homeschooling because of, you know, the endless school closures during COVID or the ideological indoctrination in public school classrooms, you know, or the fact that things are happening that we're not being told about as parents. Um, matter of fact, school leaders are running around behind our back, you know, hushing each other up, making sure that we don't know about it or that standardized test scores are at a 30 year low. Um, or, or that you know, school administrators are and school board members are 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 out there saying and articulating that they know best. I mean, they know better than us parents. Us parents, we're just a bunch of buffoons. I mean, we don't even know what's going on. Perhaps many parents concluded that they could do a better job teaching their kids. I'm sure that was the case. Perhaps they didn't think they should butt out. I'm sure that was the case. They shouldn't butt out. Perhaps they are not comfortable with the lack of oversight in classrooms and over teachers and maybe over school boards. Perhaps they are skeptical of the experts who are sounding alarms about homeschooling while ignoring the massive failures of the current state-run system. Uh, 
uh, Stone Street and Morris continue. Ultimately, the Washington Post's breathless attacks on homeschooling reveal an unquestioned assumption that children belong primarily to the state and not to parents. The rise in homeschooling, Christian schooling, parent-run charter schools, and other innovations show that more and more families are rejecting that assumption. In doing so, they are acknowledging the biblical expectation that parents, not the state, are ultimately responsible for their kids' education. The press wants to keep giving homeschooling the nuclear power treatment. They should also develop some curiosity about why so many parents are choosing, often at great sacrifice, to take education back to, um, you know, decide that they're going to be in charge of their kids' education. But, you know, the press, they're not interested. They want to acknowledge the phenomenon, but then they uh, th that's where it stops. They certainly aren't going to ask the curious question, why? You know, why aren't why aren't public school kids showing back up to to public schools? You know, when when we went through 2020 and we saw this this decline in enrollment, you know, the experts were saying, "Ah, they'll be back. Don't worry, don't worry, they'll be back." And they're not coming back. And not only are they not coming back, but they're continuing to leave. And th this question, the press isn't asking this question, why? And I, and I propose to you, they're not asking why, because they know the answer. And, and instead of asking the question, which they already know the answer to, they're going to, uh, you know, fall into this ad hominem attack where they're, where they're castigating the homeschool families themselves. You know, kids are going to wake up in a world where, where government officials don't know what's going on. That's horrible. Parents don't know what they're doing. There was a quote in one of in, in one of the uh in, in the in the WAPO story um where you know something about parents not not knowing this is a fundamental change of life. No, that's not it. There was a quote somewhere where where parents didn't even know what they were doing. Somebody said that policy. Oh, here it is. Policymakers should think, wow, this is a lot of kids, said Elizabeth Bartholet, and uh, a professor at Harvard Law School. Uh, she said, we should worry about whether they're learning anything. All right. So the, the, the law school professor at, at Harvard says this is a lot of kids in homeschool and we really need to worry if they're actually learning anything. I mean, because the parents are buffoons. Parents don't know what's going on. Why, why, you mean to tell me a certified teacher is not educating that child? Well, we should be concerned. Are they learning anything at all? And, uh, you know, I propose to you that that, that they're learning Ah, oh, they're learning so much more. I mean, the, the quality of education there is just, I propose to you that it's light years beyond what's happening in public schools. All right. Again, here, you know, we say, if you can homeschool, do it. If you can't, you know, find yourself a classical Christian school. 
uh, but the the public system is is most likely not where you want to find yourself. It's not where you want to find your children. Uh, you know, with the Washington Post so adamantly coming after homeschoolers, it tells you that they're doing something right. And by and by they, I mean the homeschoolers. Homeschool families are doing something right. Parents, uh, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. You're going after it. Uh, we got to stay on top of this. All right. Uh, that's all the time uh, that we're going to have for this segment. We're up against it. I want to go to history class. Let's uh, let's talk about Valentine's Day. We'll pick that up on the other side of this break. You're listening to The Dean's List on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now, George Washington once encouraged us to animate and encourage each other and show the whole world that a free man contending for liberty on his own ground is superior to any slavish mercenary on earth. That's exactly what we do, as you'll see when you visit AmericaOutloud.news. Now is our time, my fellow Americans. America Out Loud Talk Radio. Liberty and justice for all. The pandemic may be over for some, but millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of toxic spike protein from COVID-19 and the vaccines. You've heard Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company discuss the harmful effects of spike protein in your body, and now they found the solution. The miracle enzyme natokinase. Their spike support formula contains natokinase the most compelling and scientifically supported approach to safely clear spike protein out of the body. What's more, spike support is optimized with other all-natural, non-GMO ingredients, like dandelion root, to help prevent spike protein from binding to your cells. Everyone should take daily spike support so you can feel your best. America Out Loud listeners can go to outloudcare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. The Natural Colon Cleanse. It's the ultimate digestive tune-up with Oxy Powder. It's crafted to alleviate the discomfort of gas, bloating, and occasional constipation. There's a reason why Oxy Powder is our number one seller. It worked. Go to americaoutloud.shop and get 15% off using the code OUTLOUD. Global healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. Welcome back to the Dean's List. I'm Dean Bowen. You are listening to America Out Loud Talk Radio, and we are happy to have you on board on Valentine's Day. Valentine's Day, no less, the day of love. Why is it the day of love? What, what, what's the history here? What, what's, the, what's the history of St. Valentine? Well, I'm glad you asked, because you know we love to dive into history. We know, you know, we love history class around here. So let's let's take a moment. And let's just dive into some Valentine's Day lore, shall we? Some Valentine's Day history. I mean, we all love some good Valentine's Day. We love love, right? Here in America. Uh, let's let's start with the rose. Why the rose? Why the red rose? You know, why is that the flower given away on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette? 
not that I've ever watched it because I haven't, but you know, you see the, the the flower there, and you know that's it's always roses, and they're always red. Washington bred them, and he named a variety of them after his mother. The White House, of course, has a famous garden full of them, where presidents often welcome distinguished guests and head of state. Uh, according to the American Patriots Almanac, William J. Bennett, he says Ronald Reagan once noted, we lavish them on our altars, our civil shrines, and the final resting places of our honored dead. And of course, millions of people give them today on Valentine's Day, and they are America's favorite flower, and of course, they're loved all over the world. For this reason, in 1986, it was Congress and President Reagan who proclaimed the rose to be the national flower of the United States. Did you know it was our national flowers? And it was proclaimed uh, such on 1986. Americans, according to Reagan, have always loved the flowers with which God decorates our land. More often than any other flower, we hold the rose dear as the symbol of life and love and devotion of beauty and eternity. For the love of man and woman, for the love of mankind and God, for the love of country, Americans who would speak the language of the heart do so with the rose. And it's true, we do. We do it with the rose. You know, it's always the uh, it's the flower of choice. But why Valentine's Day? What what is the what's the history of of Valentine's Day? Uh, William J. Bennett. I mean, uh, William. I'm sorry, I'm getting my my Williams mixed up. William Federer, who is also one of our famous historians, in addition to William J. Bennett, William Federer. Uh, gives us gives us some history on Valentine's Day. Uh, he says the name Valentine is derived from the word valor, which means strength of mind or strength of spirit. It's that it's that strength that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness and personal bravery and courage. You know, think of the knight in shining armor. You know, going out to save the damsel in distress. And is that who Valentine was? What was he a knight in shining armor? Going out to save the the damsel in distress? No. No, history tells us that he was either a priest or a bishop. But but Valentine did explay much explain display, not explain. <laughs> Explain isn't even a word. He did display much valor. He displayed much strength and much spirit. How so? Well, uh, it it appears that Valentine lived during the era of Roman Emperor Claudius. And, you know, Claudius needed men. He needed men to fight because externally, Rome was being invaded by the Goths and Claudius, you know, he, he's like, I, I got to have men. I need more men. And he believed, it was his personal belief, that men fought better if they were not married. So he banned marriage. You know, he's thinking, unlike G.K. Chesterton, who said, a true soldier doesn't hate what's in front of him, but loves what's behind him. That's why he fights. He fights because he loves what's behind him. Well, Claudius didn't understand this concept. He thought, you know, being married would just distract the men. That's all they'd think about is their lovely bride. 
and they wouldn't want to fight. And he wanted them to hate what was in front of them. Well, uh, it, it's not that way. You know, men fight for for love of, of something or someone. And it was Valentine who understood this. And so he risked the emperor's wrath by secretly marrying many of the soldiers to their brides. Yeah, he would he was performing these weddings incognito. I mean, the the, the men want to be married. Valentine's like, yep, yeah, come over here. Come here. I'll, I'll marry you. They need something to fight for, someone to fight for. However, Rome was also being torn apart internally. There was internal rivalries, which continued since and because of the assassination of the previous emperor, Galenus. Claudius, however, trying to, to quell these internal rivalries and these political tensions, requested the Roman Senate to deify Emperor Galenus, so he would be worshipped along with the other Roman gods. And his citizens would be forced to worship these various gods by placing a pinch of incense on a fire before their statue. And so this previous emperor, Galenus, is now you know, part of this, this deity hierarchy. Uh, some Christians, however, unfortunately caved, and they complied with this government mandate, but others... Uh, since it was an act of worship, decided, no, I'm not going to worship this emperor as another one of your deities. And they chose instead to die in the Colosseum before they would worship any other uh, deity above the one true God. Those who refused to worship the Roman gods, of course, were considered, uh, I guess it would be politically incorrect uh, of the day, they were considered unpatriotic. Um, and this is uh, when Emperor Claudius demanded that Christians worship pagan gods uh, and their statues. It was at this time that St. Valentine uh, defied Claudius's decree or his command, and he refused, uh, just flat out refused. Valentine is arrested, and of course he is uh, dragged uh, before the officials in Rome, and they condemn him to die because he just won't do it. Uh, while uh, during his arrest, he's interrogated by Emperor Claudius, and Claudius is impressed by Valentine. He's impressed by his courage. He's impressed by his valor to the extent that Claudius even tries to convert Valentine to paganism to save his life. He's like, come on, Claudius, you're a good man. Just, uh, Just do this. Just convert and and worship all of our deities. I like you. Come on. Uh, of course, Valentine refuses to convert, and um, instead he actually tried to convert Claudius to Christianity. He's like, no, you know, no, Claudius. How about how about you come to, to the good side of the forest over here? Of course, Claudius refuses. And during this back and forth, finally, uh, Valentine is. Uh, condemned to execution. He's condemned to die. Interestingly enough, while awaiting execution, uh, Valentine is preaching to the guards and other prisoners. Uh, his jailer, a man by the name of Asterius, asked St. Valentine to pray for his blind daughter. Valentine agrees, 
and he pray he prays for the blind daughter of Asterius, and she miraculously regains her sight. At this point, the jailer converts to Christianity. He's baptized. His entire family converts to Christianity. They're baptized. It sounds like you know it's it's come right out of the Book of Acts. You know where where the Apostle Paul. You know he. Uh, you know, one of the jailers are converted and his entire family. It just feels like that. Uh, right before his execution, Valentine, and, and by the way, even though this happened, even though the jailer's daughter is, you know, miraculously, you know, receives her sight, Valentine is still uh, condemned to, to, to be executed. Right before his execution, he writes a note to the, to the jailer's daughter, encouraging her in the faith. And he signs the note from your valentine bum 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 and there it is friends from your valentine is that all is that is that the whole story no that is not the whole story according to our our friend and one of our favorite historians bill federer uh saint valentine of course is beaten with clubs and stones that doesn't kill him though could you imagine beaten with clubs and stones and not dying uh and when that failed to kill him they finally just chopped off his head uh, why didn't they? Why didn't they lead with that? Why not just start with that? Oh, that's miserable. Uh, in in AD four ninety six, four ninety six AD, Pope uh, Galatius is credited with designating February fourteenth as Saint Valentine's Day because it was on February fourteenth. Two sixty nine A.D. that uh, Valentine uh, was executed. So this this day, almost you know two hundred plus years later, is it, it determined Saint Valentine's Day by a pope. All right. So how did it get to be associated with the Day of Love? I'm glad you asked. Federer tells us in the Middle Ages, uh, Geoffrey Chaucer, called the father of English literature, wrote a poem called the Parliament of Fowls, or in other words, the Assembly of Birds. In the poem, he described how many bird species chose their mates in mid-February. He says, for this was St. Valentine's Day, when every bird of every kind that men can imagine comes to this place to choose his mate. He made another mention in the final chapter of the Canterbury Tales. Quote, the Book of Duchess, the Book of St. Valentine's Day of the Parliament of Birds. So the association of birds with fidelity and marital love came about because a large percentage of percentage of bird species are monogamous. They, they choose a mate and they choose the mate for life. Till death do us part. Swans do this, geese, hawks, blue jay, uh, pigeons, dove, penguins, bald eagles. I mean, there's a ton of birds. That, that choose a mate for life. And so uh, Chaucer as associates this choosing a mate for life with Valentine's Day. Uh, and elaborate courtships, depending on the species these, these birds make, uh, and, they, and they keep forever until death uh, becomes attached now to Valentine's Day. And even after uh, Chaucer's poems, more reference appears in literature. 
namely by William Shakespeare, who in the Hamlet and Midsummer's Night's Dream makes reference to, to St. Valentine's Day with courtly love. This eventually develops into the in the 18th century English tradition of presenting flowers, uh, you know, chocolates, uh, sending uh, St. Valentine's Day notes and cards, and and there you have it. Uh, so we have we have uh, British literature to thank for this um, this celebration of of I guess courtly love marital love, uh, romantic love uh, attached to Valentine's Day. Valentine, again, uh, meaning valor, meaning strength, courage. Uh, you know, I, I guess now we would associate it with unwavering love, Un unwavering love for someone or or something. So there it is. Hopefully, uh, hopefully today you will You'll, uh, I don't know, get some roses, get some some chocolates, you know, write a card to somebody, uh, you know, and, and even if your significant other is not all about the flowers and the chocolates, I guess just in, in, in some simple way that you can think, you know, find a way to demonstrate your love, find a way to, to demonstrate that uh, that you are here for that person, he or she, that you're you're here to support, protect, defend, uh, love more than life itself, that you're willing to demonstrate valor and and all of those those excellent things. All right, happy Valentine's Day to all of you. Thank you for joining me for history class. We love and appreciate it. It's all the time we have for today, America. Happy Valentine's Day. Encourage your friends and family to get on the Dean's List. Let's unite to renovate the age.